The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hey guys, Scott here. Just a little housekeeping item. A number of podcasts here, this one included, was caught on the road in Guanajuato, Mexico. And the audio quality is not as good as it would usually be. Sorry for that. The guys in engineering have done their best. And so we do want you to make the most of this content and would think it'll be a blessing to you. So do enjoy it. Do rate us. Let someone know and be inspired and take action. That's our hope here at FX Mission. So thanks for joining us. And sorry again about the audio challenges that were created by recording on the road. Thanks a lot. Hi, everyone. Scott McClelland here with uh, your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're here uh, actually on location in central Mexico in the state of Guanajuato. And we're down here on a little leaders event, kind of a leadership retreat with some folks from the U.S., also some from Mexico, even even a, a guy from Brazil. Wow, is he a something. Uh, we'll get him on the podcast, don't worry. Anyway, we're, we're uh, right now on the road. We're headed to San Miguel de Allende in the state of Guanajuato for... Um, just a little outing with the group, and we're going to multitask here and use the time on the road to capture uh, a podcast here with Darren and Susan Creel. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Yes, good to be here with Darren and Susan. We've been uh, we've known each other for a little while through a, a common uh, friend, and uh, Darren and Susan are. I guess uh, I would say seasoned missionaries. You guys have been doing it a while. Um, and, of course, you a lot of your work, uh, as I understand, is has been short-term over the years. But specifically, as I understand, uh, a lot of clean water efforts in uh, southern Mexico. And please correct me everywhere that I'm wrong. But, uh, Darren, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Well, I'm involved with a, a mission group called Agua Resources. Okay. And um, it was uh, born out of just one person went on a mission trip to build a church in, um, <clears throat> down south of Cancun. And uh, he saw that there was a need for water. The little kids were more interested in the, can- the, the water we had, the clean water bottles, mm-hmm. than the, uh, the candy they were given out. And uh, so... He asked about where they got their water, and he went over. They took him to this canal, and the canal had no no flow to it at all. 
and they would literally sweep the pond scum off the top of the water to get water to drink. And so he came back from that mission trip and started doing some research and found this place that uh, did water well training on these little portable rigs called the LS-100. And um, he spoke with our pastor, and we did a little bit of fundraising, and we got some guys trained on how to use them, purchased some rigs, and sent them to Mexico uh, with a a missionary uh, named Tom Schaefer that we've had an experience with. He has a medical clinic and uh, surgical campaigns and such. Ah, okay. So that's how it all got started, and that was back in 1998. 98. Okay. So um, we started there, real rough, real, real tough learning curve. Um, in November of 99, we, we really didn't have any successful wells. And a gentleman named uh, Sam Walker, uh, pastor of a local church, uh, brought a team down. And we were trying some new, new techniques. And we got a successful well. And from that point right there, it just, it launched off. Pastor Sam got the fire in his belly for water wells. And so that's been, you know, 20 years now. And uh, we lost count because we never believed that we would drill so many water wells. Wow. And uh, the last accurate count we had was between 200 and 240 Right now, the estimated number is around 400 successful water wells that they've drilled. Wow. Um, they drilled uh, 12 wells last year. Okay. And uh, it's still an ongoing uh, mission work where someone can say, hey, I got a team, we want to go, and they can get in contact with Agua Resources uh-huh. and actually take a team of four or five, maybe six guys, and go down and assist in drilling water wells oh wow so there's so much to learn and know about thank you for that summary there's so much to know about that because i really don't i worked in one clean water mission trip one time and in east africa so i've got a i've got a little bit of experience uh i'm not like completely uh you know noob status on it if you will but uh I'm sure their context would, would have a lot to do with what how it's done. In, right. in, in East Africa, we were protecting a spring. You know, there was a right. there was a constant water source that was contaminated, and our, our job was to uh, make it clean and protect it from being contaminated, which we did. Absolutely life-changing experience. Right. Uh, so thankful for it. it we still work in East Africa today as a result of that in 2008, so I'm super thankful for it. But uh, as I understand something that comes to mind, our Billy, our, our common friend, was telling me that the work is somewhat rigorous. It's not for old men or, uh, or people who have uh, <laughs> uh, an aversion to, to hard work. Uh, and I'm not saying Billy's an old man or uh, has an aversion to hard work. But uh, am I right about that? Is it rigorous work? Describe what actually happens. Well, when we first started, it was a lot of very strenuous manual labor, drill, digging uh, pits for the mud pits and uh, hauling the equipment around and getting it set up. 
but uh, two years ago we had someone donate a hydraulic rig ah. and so um, it's a uh, pretty technical in the actual operation of the hydraulics so the missionary that we work with he usually always runs the he's the guy who runs runs it, yeah. the rig so the team that comes down it's there's two folds to the the missionary mission so you get a group of guys that come in and and they're actually funding and paying for the wells to be drilled. Right. Yes. But they're also building relationship between the team. So if if your church is going down to Mexico and they're going to do some mime and give out tracks and stuff, it's hard to get these burly guys that come to church. You know, they're, they come in late and they leave early and they don't have any relationship really <laughs> right, with people. Right. You know, they only go because their wife's going to badger them if they don't go. But <laughs> you can get them to go drill a water well and Come do on. some physical labor. That's right. You know, so it's an opportunity for a, a church to actually bring people in closer relationship that they might not be able to get to participate in any kind of missions in any other way. Right. And once you've spent, you know, five or six days with a, a group of guys you have a relationship. You have something in common. Yeah. So whenever you pass them at church, it's like, hey, man, you know, yeah, we need to go on that water wheel trip. Hey, and you have something in common to talk about. Mm. And plus, you've built relationship while you're on the trip. So it it really does strengthen your local church. Wow. Yeah, I can see how that. I mean, we do we do some stuff of type, so uh, which makes it easier, you know, to. Uh, to connect, right? Folks have, I mean, uh, please excuse me, ladies, for saying this, <laughs> as there are some ladies in the car. But, uh, you know, guys have a heart. The, the church often can be a fairly effeminate context, you know, and uh, <clears throat> no cussing and no fighting <laughs> and no chewing tobacco, you know what I mean? So, obviously, uh, I'm not trying to say curse, fight, or chew tobacco, but you know what I'm saying? The, the, the thing that guys would be more, you know, the burly guys, the guys who are uh, men's men, so to speak, might have a little trouble attaching to some of the softer side of things, and that does give you something in common. So I can see that, and I, we, we try to encourage that as well. Uh, in some of the stuff we're doing, the uh, I want to dig in a little bit if we can, uh, Darren, to to find out about your story. I mean, how did you get how did you get involved with Agua Resources? It's I know I know that you've been uh, many many uh, maybe three minis. <laughs> you know, you've been a lot of times uh, to Mexico drilling wells, different things there. How is it? Did you always? Uh, you know, imagine yourself doing foreign work or doing this kind of work? Well, I was actually on the first trip when we built the, the church. So I, I was there. I was younger, an introvert. You know, it was, they got me on a trip to build a church, you know, because I could do that. I can build, mm -hmm. you know. You can build things, yeah. And uh, so once they got the, the water rail training and everything done, they sent a team to go down there, and I was able to go on on that trip. Um, but I wasn't in charge. I was young and introvert. I wasn't really a leader. And um, 
then they did another trip and I was able to go on that trip as well and so everything went good well they had a third trip planned but none of the people that went on the first trip two trips could go ah. you know because they all had regular jobs mm-hmm. you know you get one or two weeks of vacation you know you just can't randomly take off work so they asked me to go on that trip because I had the knowledge of all the mistakes we made the first two trips. And uh, uh-huh. so I w- still wasn't in charge, but right. I, I had the knowledge of what not to do. And so then the fourth trip, <clears throat> they um, asked me to go and pay. And then by the fifth trip, I was actually leading wow. the teams. Right. And uh, so it's just God use me you know it's uh, as being always an introvert and not really having very good self esteem and everything I never pictured myself as to be a leader of any kind Mm. but God used the water well ministry to make me a leader Wow! you know and so from the first successful well in 99 November of 99 until the in 2012 um, I started getting rashes when we would go down there rashes like uh, like uh, poison ivy like so when I first started I get a little bit between my fingers and then you know another trip I'd have it on my hands and uh, 2012 if I touched the drilling rig or any of the fluids or anything at all I had an allergic reaction like I'd rolled in poison ivy. My word. And uh, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, if you continue to expose yourself to this, you it could be life-threatening. And that was pretty devastating, you know, drilling wells, you know, for 12 years. And, yeah. And um, just knowing that it's over, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's over. Lord, it, have it, mercy, yeah. You know, so um, after that, I went on a couple of trips. And over the years, we had trained other people, mm-hmm. you know, so it wasn't like mission would end. We, right. we duplicated ourselves. Yeah. Uh, whenever I had to step out, we had three people that could lead teams. Okay. And uh, they, <clears throat> they didn't usually lead the teams because I was available. Yeah. But yeah, once yeah. I was no longer available, it opened it up for them them to really step up and have their turn at leadership and right you know blessing their the men of their yeah. church yeah growing and and, and another yeah. phase of what was going on but as i mean i can hear in your your voice uh the you know the the what that i mean that was kind of a showstopper there yeah but, in terms of the way you had done it up to that point oh, yeah but god has a plan you know i i had my own business um and my wife would man the fort while I was gone. I, I was doing up to 10 trips a year. And wow. um, so I would be gone, you know, seven days. And sometimes I would do double trips. You know, I'd be gone for two two to three weeks sometimes. Yeah. And she was actually holding the fort, running the company, and making sure everything was taken care of while I was gone. And it was a lot of stress on our family. But once I... I stopped doing the water well trips 
our business really, really flourished and, and grew. Wow. And uh, God had a plan. You know, he, he moved me into the direction he needed me to go yeah. so I could yeah. be a payer. Yeah, a payer and a prayer not a goer. And, and not a goer as much. Yeah. And, you know, well, that that is, uh, that's that's wild. I think for, for, uh, for me, uh, you know, having something of like a, a, a showstopper kind of event like that, uh, I could see how that could be. It takes a season to get through that, especially in your case where you're intimately familiar with the water scenario. Right. And I think that's one thing that probably, um, you know, those listening won't know so much about. Uh, you know, I think... At least in my case, I grew up in the U.S. I, you know, only went outside the U.S. one time before I was out of high school. I, I really had absolutely, you know, minimal exposure to the rest of the world. So I thought, hey, you know what? Everywhere's like this, you know? We turn on the spigot, we get some water out, you know? Yeah, as we're driving by a mountain of trash <laughs> right here in uh, Mexico. That's supposed to be a landfill, but they put it on top. I think. Uh, anyway, so I just thought everything is like, you know, uh, you know, like here more or less. And what is the what is the clean water scenario in uh, in in the places where you work? And I, as I understand, you guys didn't stay in uh, so much in in the in that part of Mexico because of some of the the challenges with the sonotes or whatever it is there. You guys ended up doing a lot of work more in the state of Guerrero, as I, as I recall. What's the clean water situation in Mexico so far as you've been exposed to it? Um, well, people can't live without water, so if there's people living there, they have to have access to some water. Of some kind, right. But the problem is, is the water's not clean. Whether they get it out of an irrigation canal, out of a river, out of a pond, you know, they have to have water, but they're not educated on how to boil your water and make it potable. And it's a big hassle. And, you know, if you had to boil your water every day just so you could cook or bathe, you know, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But pretty much all over Mexico, you know, you just don't drink the water, period. You know, if you're going to be drinking, you get it out of a... A Garifone, yeah. one of these, uh, was it five liter? Five liter big water bottle, yeah. Big water Stands bottles. on a stand, right. You know, and if you're traveling in New Mexico and somebody offers you some water, you want to see them pour it out of one of these <laughs> bottles. Yeah. You know, like this morning, whenever you were filling up the water bottle, I went to see where you were getting the water from. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because yeah, you just never sure. know if the person you're with knows where. Yeah, what they're, you, yeah, what, you know, the dangers. Yes. But the, the premise is, is that we go into a village, we drill a well, and they may have other hand dug wells, but usually they're, you know, four to 10 feet in a diameter. They have a bar going across the top and they have a bucket with a rope on it. So things can get into the water, into the well, Yes. you know, frogs, animals, yeah. oil cans, kids throwing things, animals falling in. Uh, 
chickens love to get up on the bar. Yes, and, they do. And and poop in the water. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's no such thing as a clean well if it's open. Right. Right. So, so we go in and we do a a, a four or six inch casing with a sealed cap on it with a hand pump. Right. And so that that keeps the water from being contaminated, and then they can pump it into their five gallon bucket. Um, the other thing with the open well is, is if they have the bucket with the rope on it, well, what do they do with the bucket whenever it's not in the well? <laughs> they set it on the ground, you know, where the animals have been walking all around and people have been walking around. Yeah. And then they put it back in the in well the, yeah. dirty. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. but, you know, I'm not aware of very many places like where they may have city water, but it's usually not potable. Right. It's just water for bathing. Right. Yeah. And, and if you're going to cook or um, drink it, you have to get it out of a bottle. Right. Yeah. That, that's Scott, for real. Yeah. I can kind of give you a statistic too. Please do. When Agar Resources started back in, what was that, 97? Do it. 98. Uh, the water wreck, the water, uh, you know, the statistics for the water at the time for worldwide was every eight seconds a child under the age of 11, I think was under the age of 11, died. From so, waterborne from waterborne disease. So from, from, from nothing less than a lack of clean drink water. So, uh, and then when we checked last year, this year is actually the 20th anniversary of Augur Resources and uh, when we checked this year, uh, it's up to every 10 seconds. Wow, so you... There's a lot of clean water stuff that's going on. Thank you for that, by the way, uh, Susan. Um, we want to hear from you more as we go on here. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the folks I, I worked with and I, I went to uh, East Africa with, where we protect the spring, protected the spring. They they com- have re- you know completed uh, 400 wells now since about the same amount of time, and all of that's in. Uh, primarily in one tribal context in uh, Kenya and Tanzania. There's a tribe that goes across uh, called the Kurdia tribe, and they've, they've, they've really had seen a real impact there. I think for those of us who are, are you know used to having access to clean water and not even having to think about it, we don't realize all the stuff that gets picked up. You know, It's not just that you're dehydrated, which can kill you. But that you you've got you've got contaminated water that is slowly killing you, and for those who are in a weakened state or who are less mature, as like you say, children, those those guys are more susceptible to um, you know any kind of liability that this kind of infection or whatever can be brought on by unclean drinking water, and I uh, the. In the example that I'm aware, my my good friend and our co-worker in FX Missions, Mishael Sarima, he's a he's in a that Korea tribe in East Africa. He's had 13 kids, and and uh, and five of them are living. You know, so he's lost. Uh, I believe it's 12 or 13. He's lost more than half of uh, his family in childhood because of malaria, waterborne disease, things like this. 
most of that happened before he had access to clean water. And when I arrived there in the village, we his spring was the first one that we protected. So it was crazy. It's life-changing, and I can tell a story that really affected me. So my daughter, Kate, um, was born in 97, so uh, the trip that Darren talked about where he went to build the church uh, in Chiapas, on the way back from that trip, right after that was when we started our company, which then in- positioned Darren to be able to go as often as he wanted. Um, <clears throat> so we raised our daughter uh, going in and out of Mexico as often as possible, and we went to a village one time, and I won't recall the the name of the village, but it was up in the mountains. In fact, I remember that we broke the, one of the axles on the trailer trying to get off the mountain uh, with the rigs. But when we got there, one of Katie's jobs was that we would collect McDonald's Happy Meal toys from the States and bring them with us, and she would give those to the kids because they didn't require batteries. And a lot of times the kids always, the kids would recognize the characters, and they could often play together. You know, because they were all connected. Um, so we, that was Katie's job. And so she was about seven at the time. And we were giving out toys in this little village. And a mother came up and asked me for one for her son. And I asked her, this was a very small village, probably less than 70 people in the whole village. And I asked her where he was. And she said he was back at the Palapa, um, that he was sick. And I said, well, can I go see him? And so I, so I could take him the toy. So we went back there to look. And when we got there, he was laying in a hammock. Um, he was about five or six years old. And he had a cut on his left leg that was uh, just below his knee. And it was on the, the left side. And it was very bad. And she had bandaged it the best she could with scraps, you know, material and things like that. And so I went back and got our missionary um, who happened to, you know, we ha- he has the medical clinic there and things like that, so he always has medical supplies. And uh, we went back to the little palapa and checked on this boy, and they had to clean it, you know, the, the wound really, really, he cried the whole time because it was infected, it was badly infected. And then, um, and then he dressed it. And then at the end of that day, you know, when we got there that morning, they didn't have a clean water source. When we left that, after, that evening, he did. They did, and so uh, Tom Schaefer, Padre Tomas, told the mother, "Never again do you wash anything or wash his wounds in anything but this water. Don't brush your teeth. Don't do anything except with this water." And so we trained the village on how to. And so when we left, Padre Tomas, sorry, I'm gonna cry. Um, Padre Tomas told me that if we hadn't seen that little boy and found out, he likely would have lost his life because they had cleaned it, um, cleaned that wound in the irrigation canal where down, they were downstream from other villages and uh, washing their clothes and feeding their animals and their animals and cows were drinking out of it and things like that. He likely would have lost his life and said that for us. And of course, for Katie, our daughter, it was life-changing. So she got erect for life, um, is what we like to say, uh, with missions because of that. So, sorry. <laughs> You might have got us all with that one, Uh, Susan. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, that's tough. But very real, and I think those are the kinds of things that are just not in our purview. You know, that's not kind of stuff we see uh, in a day-to-day 
situation in most of the developed world that is like uh, you know a story out of fantasy you know <laughs> it's not real to us but those are the kind of things yeah right yeah you just you got to get some exposure and I think there are probably you know um, some heartstrings other than mine and yours that are being tugged on right now as we talk about it there's a lot of opportunity for us to have a, a, a life-changing and in this case a life-saving impact that we may not be aware of, we may not be, um, you know, just not have the visibility to. So I, I really appreciate you guys in your efforts in the clean water. And I know that you're still involved, even though you're not, you're not manning the wells anymore. What are you guys doing now with uh, Agua Resources? Well, we still take teams from our church specifically, and uh, I do a lot of pointing. <laughs> Not touching so much but, anymore, uh, but pointing. Yes. Yeah. So uh, this uh, last year, when we got the new rig, they started using a new polymer for the drilling fluid, and um, so I'm like, okay, well, if they're not using that polymer, I shouldn't be allergic to anything. So we went down and did a trip, and I actually got it all over me, the new polymer, and I didn't break out. Wow. So really it was like, oh, great, you know. So um, we had more people at our church sign up than we could take on one team. Ah. So we took a second trip, and when we got down there, I touched one of the water tanks, which yeah. we haven't changed out. Yeah. So they still use the same water tank and the same pump to pump the water. Mm -hmm. And so it had the residue on it, and I broke out pretty badly. Ah. Uh, so... God reaffirmed that I'm not supposed to step back into the water well ministry right. full time. Yeah. And I'm supposed to go and point whenever yeah. I bring a team. When, when you bring church. a team. That makes sense. And that's a big that's a big adjustment. But uh, you know, it's also a new season for those people who are coming up behind you. It gives them the opportunity to have that contribution that uh, that you guys have uniquely prepared them to have. So well, we actually have a we have a kind of a little a motto from our pastor that we stole from our pastors our pastor that is uh, you know, that there are four types of people. There's a goers, stayers, prayers, and payers. And um, so we were goers for 12 years, or you know, Kate and I were goers through Darren for 12 years. And uh, and over the course of those 12 years, we built a company that has now, once Darren stepped out of water wells. Um, and he, he was really able to grow it. And so now we've moved into pairs. And, of course, we're always prayers. And um, and our big our biggest thing was I know a lot of people, some people love being stayers. You know, they love staying home and um, praying and paying. And that's that's great. You know, that even the Israelites had a group of, a troop of their army that that was their job was they stayed by the stuff and protected the men and the women, the, you know, the women and the children and the stuff. And so there's, it's a very important role to play. Yeah. It's just that if you're a stayer and you're supposed to be a goer, you know, then that's whenever, you know, the heartstrings are probably being pulled right now. And hopefully if that's the case and God's really encouraging someone to go, um, our pastor also says that two thirds of God is go and, uh, <laughs> which we really like. And, um, and, and so that the seasons were really important that when Darren had to step out, you know, it was hard. We actually... Darren will admit that he didn't listen, you know, for a very long time. And it wasn't until the doctors said this could really be life-threatening, you know, that Darren had to really go to our leadership and to, and into his quiet time and really determine whether or not God was really moving him out of it. 
because we just couldn't see how God would do that. You know, we loved it. It was our heart. It was what we wanted to do. And yet, and yet to look at the different chapter and then say, okay, well, the reason why he was doing that was so we could move into a position of building our company so that now we could be payers and we could go to other places and do other things. That was all part of. And so we don't know what our next chapter is, but we will always have a heart for Mexico. We always have a heart for water. Uh, rescue and water uh, relation and um, and that's kind of what uh, we just believe I mean even here in La Camada you know we've seen potential opportunity and uh, and so you just don't know you don't know what God's doing in the next chapter we're available we just we tell our pastor and our our pastor requires of us that um, that we keep our our hands open and our heads up and that's what we promised him we would do on this and every trip we've ever been on. So, amen. Amen. For sure. Well, I really, really, really appreciate you guys and your 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 solid history of contribution on the mission side. And, you know, we'll be agreeing with you in prayer and standing with you for the Lord to make those next steps uh, sure and, and, and clear to you. Uh, and again, thank you for taking some time to talk to us. Uh, there's a lot more we could get into. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to double back with you on that leadership moment and probably both of you. So you be ready for that. Anyway, uh, if someone wanted to find out more about uh, our resources, how they could get involved. And I'm, I really feel like the Lord is speaking to somebody. I mean, I feel like somebody is tar- being targeted by this content. So I don't know who you are, but uh, you may be feeling it right now. And so... Uh, if someone wanted to get contact our resources, how would they how would they reach them? Aguaresources.com would be the fastest, easiest way to do that. Okay. Otherwise, you could call Sam Walker at the North Church in Beaumont, Texas. Okay. Yes. And then the North Church, Beaumont, Texas, Sam Walker, or Agua Resources. That's A-G-U-A. Yeah, we're saying it. A- with it's a, Agua. With an accent. Yes, Agua. it's Agua. Agua. Resources. Yeah. Very... <laughs> Very cool. A joy having you guys on. And thank you very much for your time and and for your story. That I think is something the Lord is building in all of us. And I appreciate your obedience, both in being, you know, step perhaps reluctantly stepping out into leadership initially, and also your obedience in the transition you're in. Uh, That's uh, that's huge. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on. You guys are you guys are you guys are great. We'll double back with you downrange maybe in twelve to eighteen months and get more information about that next chapter if we can. And uh, so yeah, I am Scott McClellan for FX Missions, and you're from the forefront. Uh, double back soon to hear uh, Darren and Susan on the leadership moment. And uh, as always, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about me or us. You can do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.